Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution. Thanks for coming. I'm always surprised that there's people here. Um, uh, one thing I want to do is, you know, we broadcast this online, and uh, I want to thank all the online folks. We, you know that we're now meeting at Bryant Lake Bowl, and um, we are uh, having services now, which now has put our online listeners a week behind us. But I want to thank them so much for sticking with me the past two years and uh, the support that they've given the church as I was recording from my home studio really meant a lot. So thank you for that. And then, of course, thank you guys for showing up. It's Palm Sunday. And as usual, I don't have a sermon for Palm Sunday. I mean, I have a sermon, but I don't have a Palm sermon. And I was... No fronds, no palms. I mean, I was, I thought about going and picking up ponds. So you, ponds. What are they called? Palms? From, yeah, you're messing me up now. Um, I drew a palm on my book, so. But yeah, I don't have palms. Someone was saying, I saw this thing, and it was like, he, they, they cried Hosanna, and a week later, they cried crucify him. Very dramatic. Um... And I thought about maybe trying to be dramatic, but I just, I'm not very good at it, so I'll forget it. So no Palm Sunday service for you. Hopefully next week we'll have a special treat, though. So I'm trying to work out something for next, for the day that everybody feels like they have to come to church. So I'm going to be in Romans... Eight today, and uh, if you'll notice, the revolution. We talk a lot about love here. We talk a lot about grace here, and we talk a lot about acceptance. And uh, I want to. The Apostle Paul hits on three different kinds of, of well, more than three types of love, but there's three types of love that I I wanted to share with us today. And I want to start with love for us. So in Romans 8.31 through 9.1, so buckle up. (laughs) What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will will not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charges against us? God's elect. It is God who justifies, who is to condemn? Question mark. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardships or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, 
As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep and to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, no powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 9.1 says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. And I kind of like that Paul kind of is like, I'm speaking the truth here. But there's... This idea of spiritual love and God's love for people, and it's a mystery. It's a hard thing to understand sometimes because there's so much suffering in life. You know, and it doesn't feel like that love does a whole lot. But is an ultimate acceptance of a type of love that's constantly there even when we suffer. There is no promises that things won't go awry. That bad things won't happen. Now, for a lot of people, they think, well, if there's a God, you know, young children wouldn't be gassed in Syria. You know, that wouldn't happen. I mean, that makes me crazy. You know, it's one of those things that makes you want to just kind of give up the whole shebang and be like, ah, do I really want to, you know, believe in this stuff? But then when I read things like this in Romans where it's like, you know, we're being killed, we're being slaughtered, it's not saying, you know, God's going to intervene and everything's going to be great and roses. It's saying, they're, they're, you know, it's going to be tough. But God's love endures. One of, the, uh, one of the versions that I used to use of the Bible uh, was the New Living Translation. And it reads, it's a paraphrased Bible, and it reads easier. <laughs> Than, than, than the uh, NRSV, but the NRSV is New Revised Standard Version is more accurate. But it says not, it's, when it says that nothing will separate us, it says even the gates of hell will not separate us from God's love. And I've always liked the inclusion in that idea. Now, the only, closest I can come to explaining what God's love is for us is in Corinthians 13, which is probably, if I don't read this sermon once a month at church, I'm surprised. If I don't read this, I mean this verse. And uh, you hear it at weddings, but if you've ever, I mean, heck, if you've ever even dated somebody for more than a month, you know that this was kind of an impossible standard, much less when you're getting married. I like how it, like they just throw this one out there and it's like, oh, this is so romantic and so wonderful and it's like, oh, it's a possible dream. Because um, we're people. So I like to look at this at God's love for us. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So, nothing can separate us from the type of love that endures all things. There's nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. Now, I used to believe that that was wrong because I grew up 
very uh, cares well not well, fundamentalist. I didn't know I was fundamentalist growing up. You know, when you're in fundamentalist, you don't realize you're fundamentalist and that God, you know. So I thought God hated me and hated everything and, you know, that, yeah, Jesus loved me, but it was very temporary. And, you know, all I had to do was, I mean, I remember thinking, like, as a kid, if I was, like, what if I drive off a cliff and say, shit? Am I just going to, welcome to hell. Sorry, you almost made it. Because the devil's a pirate. Matey. Come in, Jay. Uh, so, there's that. Now, my mom always loved this verse in Romans, that, that, that the part in 37, that's not in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And one of the things that always impressed me about my mother was her love for others, her love for enemies, well, I guess more than one thing, um, and her hope in the midst of hardships. You know, I, you know, she really loved it, that there was hope and that there was this love that we weren't separated from and that we would be more than conquerors even through our hardships, even when it felt like we were being conquered, that we were more than conquerors. This is hard to grasp. This is hard stuff to grasp because some of it seems like it's BS, you know. But I've had moments, I had a moment this past week where I just, and I have rarely have these moments where I feel that, you know, because I think God is a ground of all being and things like that, but where I feel that there is God. And I had a moment where I just felt that at peace, that I felt that love, that I felt that acceptance. And... uh it was really nice, you know, but it's rare, you know, and I suffer from depression, and probably the past two years I've been in the probably the deepest depression I've ever had, you know, and so to have that little breakthrough moment, and Paul Tillich talks about this, that there will be a moment where we feel accepted and we won't know what it is. We won't understand it. We don't have to understand it. But we are accepted by something greater than ourselves. Something intervenes. And that's what happened for me. Something just intervened. And it wasn't a long time. It wasn't, it wasn't like God didn't come down and go like, Hey, Jay, <laughs> you are accepted. No, it was just a moment of ease and peace and realizing that I didn't have to put all my faith in myself, or I didn't have to put all my faith in doubt and of, of, of self. And so those moments are fleeting sometimes, but they're there. And there's that thing of nothing will separate me. Because when you're in depression, you it's, it's, it's a tricky, it's, it's, a, such a, it's like a, it plays tricks with your head, you know. You feel worthless. And you feel like, you know, you you're not worthy of love and you're not worthy of any of that kind of thing. And, uh, and it's more than feeling sorry for yourself because it's chemicals in your brain that are doing it, you know. So I'm not like, oh, poor me. But it's this, am I worth it? Am I worth waking up every day? Is it worth it? And when I felt that moment, of love, I felt it was worth it. Now, that's the love for us. But what about the love for others? Romans uh, 
I'm going to jump over, I'm going to stay in Romans, but I'm going to jump over to Romans 12, 14. And uh, this, is, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is, is, is what is our, our love for others. But I think it's easier to have this type of love when we're able to accept that we are accepted. Um, which, man, I didn't really ever think that it would be such a challenge for me to do. I didn't think that this, this type of darkness, dark night of the soul was going to come back. I thought I, you know, I have really had a grasp on, on grace and accepting myself, and knowing that, you know, God loved me just the way I was, and not the way I should be, and I'll never be what I should, and not to shit on myself, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, you know, it really became tough. It's been a real, and some of you have, have been really helpful for me through that. But this is how we love others, and this is how when we accept that we are loved. You know, Jesus says, I want you to love God with all your heart, and equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, those are the important things. So this is our neighbor. This is what Paul says in 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is not but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible so far as depends on your lives, peaceable with all be peaceable with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I'll repay, saith the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, Give them something to drink. For by doing this, you'll heap burning coals upon their heads. <clears throat> Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, listen to this. This whole leaping coals on their head things, this is where I, me and Paul veer off from each other. You know? Um, because, but it's very Minnesotan, right? Oh, aren't you special? That's, you know... My son does this thing where he goes, when he's thirsty, he's 18, 19 months old, and he goes, ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, he's such a little Minnesotan, you know, like, ah, sure I'm thirsty. Ah, sure is dry in here. Ah, you know, until you give him his water, you know. And it's, um, it took me a while. I really messed with my head when I first moved here because people would talk about Minnesota nice, and, and I really didn't realize what it was. And then I was like, that person basically just told me to go screw myself with a smile on their face. I kind of have to respect that in a little way. Um, and, and Paul is, uh, is saying that. And Paul is saying, you know, vengeance is God. But I've always wondered if God practiced what, if, if, if God or Jesus practiced what they teached to love enemies, to not persecute those people. So that's where me and Paul might have fall off a little bit is I don't feel like I want to necessarily have to heap burning coals. But at the same time, at the same time, if you look at nonviolence and what Martin Luther King Jr. did by loving his enemies and by being beat and hurt 
and wounded and stomped upon and ridiculed and eventually killed. But what he did was is exposed the tension there, exposed the evil there by not retaliating, saying, look, we're being beaten by people when we don't fight back, when we don't fight. And so a lot of that is, 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 uh, is where King comes from in the nonviolence, is showing people that, uh, that there's a narrow road, and sometimes that's what exposes people's true intentions, people's, you know, what, they're, what, what they really, their intentions weren't that these people are violent and horrible and less than human. You know, they just didn't feel comfortable around people that looked different than them. And they, you know, there wasn't a conflict. They were the, you know, people said that, that King, Martin Luther King was a creator of conflict, and he just wasn't. He was an exposer of the conflict that was already there. And so that's often what happens when we love those who don't love us. Um, when we hold our tongue, uh, when we turn the other cheek. That's a tough thing to do. Um, I did it with uh, this group called Soul Force that does, works with LGBTQ rights in the church. And I went on some things where, you know, and, and they give you all this nonviolence training, how you don't get vengeance with the tongue, you don't get it with the heart, you don't do it with the mind. You know, it's nonviolence is not just not punching somebody. It's not hating somebody. And so that was really interesting for me to practice that, um, especially when I was being an ally, sitting there with my uh, gay and lesbian brothers and sisters, seeing them being kind of a- attacked or talked down to. You know, I wanted to be. Well, I'm going to stand up. You know, I'm going to. You know, I'm going to. How dare you, you son of a. You know, and that wasn't the way it was go. And a lot of times it was my very people who were being persecuted who had to reach out to me and go, Jay, now you've got to love these folks. You know, we're trying to make a difference here. You know, don't forget, don't forget where, you know, so persecuted people can love like this. And what happens is when they do love like this, when we do love this way, when we are being persecuted, when we do love our enemies, revolution does happen. Change does happen. It might not feel like it. Right now, it doesn't feel like the world is in a very good place. You know? But through love, through kindness, there is a way for us to change things. You know? And that's not saying you don't go protest. It's not saying that you don't speak up. It's that you just do it out of a loving, compassionate way. You do it for the right reasons. It's tough to love right now. Man, the president is a hard person for me to even think about loving. He feels like a cartoon character. Doesn't even feel like a real person. I'm sorry if you're on the other side of the fence. I apologize if I'm bothering you. But you've got to love me. Right? And so, now no one's going to love perfectly. If you remember last week we talked about, and we read in Romans that we all fall short. We all fall short of God's standard, yet God in His gracious kindness declares us not guilty. Okay, so we all fall short. We're not going to be perfect at this. If there any means perfection was held as a... If perfection was something that you could reach or a goal that you had to go to, you know, the Bible would be very different. We would all... I would be even more depressed. And so, thank goodness that that's not... Perfection is, is, is not... You know, I'm always... You know, you can do your best. You always do a little better, I'm sure. But perfection isn't something that 
what's being called for here. What it's being called for is a way to love. It's a narrow road, though. And I've always felt that that's the thing about Christianity, is people want to talk about, you know, making rules and regulations on, like, don't listen to, you know, if you grew up like I did, you're like, don't listen to secular music, don't go to rated R movies, you know, don't lust, don't do these things. You know, it was all about don't, 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 don't. Don't go here. Don't, what my dad used to say, don't spit or chew or go with girls that do. Um, I don't know why that even made sense. Um, But, you know, people somewhere along the lines forgot that it was about this radical idea of loving your enemies and living in harmony with one another. We can barely live in harmony with other people who are believe the same things that we believe or call themselves Christians or call themselves people of faith. You know, we can barely dialogue with other people of faith, much less people outside. So that's a call to loving, you know, love your enemies. You know, heck, I can't even love my friends. I can barely love myself. It's a process. Sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. But hopefully we get it when it's important, you know. And uh, I've had a few moments where I was lucky to be sitting down with people and being able to get what it meant to love that way. And if it hadn't been for people loving me, speaking truth to me but still loving me, I don't think I would have ever come around to where I'm at today. It hadn't been people questioning me who I knew loved me. I don't know if I would be preaching this way, speaking this way, fighting the way I fight, uh, standing, trying to think, you know, doing revolution, period. You know, but it was people who loved me even though that I may have been their enemy or had them question or made them uncomfortable. And I'm not talking about other Christians. You know, I'm talking about, you know, people who are just going like, well, how, you know, you Christians have done this, 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 and this. You know, and how can you believe this, 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 and this? And you go, oh, I know you love me, but what you're saying right now hurts. But they're saying, well, what you've done all over history has hurt. I was like, oh, that's true. So I had to look at it a different way. The narrow road, it's a narrow road. Another thing Martin Luther King Jr. said is, only love is capable of turning an enemy into a friend. So, we can heap hot coals. But I really hope those hot coals lead to a warm friendship. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a cheese ball. I'm a, a dad. But you learn this with, I mean, for me having kids, it's, it's like having a son and, 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 and about to have a daughter, which is crazy. Uh, you learn to love in a new way. You learn to love in a different way. You learn to love in an unconditional way. And uh, you start to see that these things are, can be possible. And you, you are capable. And uh, so if there is a parental relationship with the ground of being, with the God, um, I have a little bit more peace because I know the willingness sacrifices that I would make. So, now I usually... We usually talk about grace being free and everything, and I want to talk about what talks about being debt. What debt do we owe? And uh, I never thought we owed a debt. And ultimately, I, 
don't think we do, but Romans 13.8 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. If you jump down to the bottom, it says, love is fulfilling of the law. So, what are we supposed to... I mean, I owe love. That's what I owe to other people. I think that's why things like Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, 12-step programs, uh, are so effective. There's a rumor of strangers. They might not think they're loving each other, but through service, there's an amazing amount of love. And these things have transformed people's lives. And sometimes it's like, you know, well, I'm doing it so I can stay this way, you know. I'm forced to love people so I can stay sane. But sometimes that's where we find sanity when we love people and we love people who are different than us and we're able to focus on just surviving. It doesn't, they don't have to have the right faith. They don't have to have the right belief system. They don't have to have this. But we focus on loving one another. And that's pretty amazing. And that's what I... Love has reached outside of my, my own theology my own belief system. You know, it's, it's, if God is love, it is, then that's this, this completely um, infinite thing. And I'm a finite being trying to understand the infinite, which is really tough. But if you take this infinite love and, and key into that. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm trying to push this message into everybody. You know, like, oh, hear this, hear this, hear this. You know, and I want to be excited about it. You know, it's tough because what happens, I, I think about the missiles that were launched at, at, at people this week and people who were killed and how we react and how mostly you see some of our, some other Christians, because I don't want to assume that anybody's a Christian in here, um, but how you see other people share the same faith or share this faith react and think, oh, this is awesome. This is what we need. This is great. And it's exactly the opposite of what we're taught. We're taught to be passive people, to love, to care for one another. Yeah, there's hard truths, but man, it's, it's, it's when, we, when we start celebrating that people are being blown up, we've missed it. Even though that it might seem like a... I mean, I'll be honest with you, at the first, first second I heard it, I was like, yeah. First second I heard there were missiles that blew up people who hurt these children because I saw these dead children and when you're a parent and you see dead children, it just messes with your head. For a split second, I was like, yeah. Vengeance. I like that. And then I went, wait a second. That's not who I am. There's a part of me that's like that. But that's not who I am anymore. As hard as it is to be. And uh, to love people like that is very hard. So I'm going to read Corinthians 13 one more time and then we can go wave palms. 
But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the beginning because I think it's even more important. If I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic power and understand all the mysteries and knowledge and have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may be boast, but do not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. Listen to this part. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and this is my favorite part, endures all things. Love never ends. Drop down to the bottom of 13.13. It says, And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. Even the Apostle Paul saw that love was the greatest above faith and above hope. Love was number one. And that's a hard time thing people try to see. That's when fundamentalists, because they're becoming a fundamentalist is when the faith starts to rise above the love. You know, we have to keep that love as the, as the key, the top. That's how we see things. That's what the glasses we put on. We put on the, lo- put on the love glasses. I saw a picture of this, of, uh, this rock band Mastodon. I don't know if you've heard of him, but I used to know the drummer really well. He used to order stuff for me at the shop, and I remember he told me he was in a metal band, and I go like, yeah, that's going to go somewhere. You know, thinking like metal was over, and now they're just like metal gods. So it's really weird that the guy used to have posters for me at Chuck Man's Daughter. But one of them was wearing glasses anyway. That was a rabbit trail. They're really awesome, though, so if you haven't heard of them, you can listen to them. I mean, they did a whole album on Moby Dick. It's crazy. But he was wearing, it was just really funny because this big tough guy is wearing the heart glasses, you know. And, it, you know, he's got, and I'm like, oh, that's not cool at all, those are the heart glasses. Um, and it's funny that sometimes I think how we see people who love that way, or I, when I see very positive people because I'm, I'm, I'm not a very positive person, I go, oh, that's not cool. <laughs> it's cool to be jaded, you know. But it's, it's, it's pretty weird that we've got to put on those love glasses and, and, and keep that as the key to any type of faith. If we want to have a faith that is a Christian faith, if you're interested in Christianity, if you're interested in this thing, love is the way to see it. You have to read this book through love because there's a lot of crazy stuff in this book. It's a, it's a library. It's a collection of letters and writings and from all different people. And there's stuff in here that I don't agree with. I go, I, uh, that's not, that's, that's not, I can't do that. I can't go that way. But I don't, it's because I love first. I haven't made this book, it's sacred, yeah, it seems great text. But it's not above love. I have to see Jesus. When you read Paul, I have to look through a Jesus lens. When I read James, I have to look through a Jesus and the Paul lens. You know? which is ultimately that love lens. 
Because when they start to get off, or when I read the Old Testament, and God's getting vengeance and all this stuff, and then Jesus is saying, love your enemies and be kind to those who persecute you. And I'm going, okay, well, this doesn't add up. So I have to believe that that was man's best understanding of what they thought God was. You know, that God didn't command babies' heads to be bashed into rocks. So that's how I do it. Is I, you know, people, oh, oh, you just make it which how you want to make it. No, I just try to say that if Jesus is the ultimate thing, the ultimate test, the ultimate guide, then I have to see it through those lenses. And uh, if Paul is the ultimate guide, you know, I have to see it through those lenses, the love lenses, the love glasses. So there you go. So put on your love glasses, which probably I'm going to call in this sermon, <laughs> love glasses, because it's so crazy. Yeah, I, I don't ever tie bows on sermons. I wish I was a better bow tire, but I'm not. So I hope that encourages you to see things differently in, on this Palm Sunday. Maybe you love yourself a little bit more. Maybe you, maybe that's your struggle. Maybe you love somebody else a little bit more. You know, just by letting go a little bit not needing that revenge as much, or not needing that last word as much. I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Uh, I don't know what else to say or pray. So, you know, may we put on our love glasses. Amen. Well, everybody, thanks for coming. Um, Oh, I almost forgot. The most important part. I'm just kidding. It's not the most important part. We do take an offering here, but it's not required. We'd rather have you than your money um, this week. I always like to put an asterisk there because there's going to be a week where it's going to be like, listen, guys, we just got to have money because we've got to pay bills. But right now, we'd rather have you than your money. So I'm going to pass the hat. Um, If you want to give, great. If you don't, great. Um. I didn't bring the square. I've got to readjust the square because I spent two years not using it and now I've got to figure it out again. But you can give online if you want to give with a credit card. Um, we are a nonprofit, so you do get, if you give through check or credit card, you do get a um, tax deductible thing. This is my least favorite part of the job. That's why I almost forgot about it. Um, listen, how community is built is built through talking to one another. If you're like me and an introvert, you're going to leave right as I stop talking. You're going to thank God that I stopped talking and then you're going to leave. And that's okay. Um, because I want people, introverts and people who don't feel comfortable with themselves to feel comfortable here. Um, but if you want to co- build community or you want to be part of a community, stick around for a little bit, talk to one another, um, say hello to a stranger. And if not, Have a great day. So thanks a lot.